Well, friends, we're going to get through 1 Peter before the millennial reign or the return of Christ. Or if you don't know what either of those words mean, just stick, uh, stick with me. Um, I have a habit. God loves me and he loves you. But I read and I get excited and it's so easy to move and to change quickly. But I just feel not released, even though I have other things I want to preach about. We're going to finish this letter. Amen? We started it, and we're going to finish it, because there there's actually gold. We're well over halfway now, hallelujah, but there's gold that the Spirit wants us to mine out here in this last chapter and a half of 1 Peter, and so let's just lean in together. Could you stand on your feet as I read from the Scriptures in honor of God's Word? Picking up in 1 Peter chapter 3. Verse 13, who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this, the answer, with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. This is the word of the Lord, and we all said, thanks be to God. You can be seated. I'm just going to read that much. Not going to read more. We'll just get through it. So for context, the are they still doing cliff notes? Help me out, those of you who are teachers and educators. Is it still cliff notes or is there spark notes? Spark notes. The, thank you, teachers. There's a teacher row over here. There's some teachers up in, up in the house <laughs> and teachers over here. Praise God. Um, Peter's writing to the church in Rome. I'm sorry, the church in modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor, if you read your Bible. Um, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And Pontus, and these, these cities, and this letter was written as a circular letter. So once one church received it, guys, Pastor Peter wrote us a letter. They were supposed to read it and then pass it on. Oh, that was amazing. We're, oh, it was so cool that Peter thought of us. And the, the church in these little, neighbor, these little uh, villages and towns, they had no privileges, they had no rights, they had no safety net socially, they were ostracized, they were looked at as um, blasphemers because they didn't participate in the imperial cult. And they're not under full widespread like here comes Nero in just a few, few years in the next decade, but there's already little outbreaks of suffering and persecution. There's already some who are becoming martyrs, some who are certainly being mocked. Let's look at that language, maliciously talking against your good behavior. And so Peter is writing this 
to people, I love, it's so important as we read the scriptures, he's writing it to real people who face real situations. And why am I so glad for that? Because I'm in a room full of real people who face real situations. And so the scriptures are relevant for us today in as much as those first recipients in that little house church under the threat and looming heel of Rome and the empire. And these words are meant to provoke us to hope. They're meant to provoke us to always recalibrate and reorient around Jesus, the one who suffered for us. They're meant to produce this sense of confidence and clarity in regards to our identity and our purpose in the world. First Peter, in these five little chapters, it really, it really does encompass what I would say the vast majority of the Christian's journey. In fact, that's the language that Peter uses to the sojourners, to the exiles, to those who are on a journey, who've been born again. You're born again into a new kingdom, a new family. You have a new and eternal inheritance. You have an unshakable uh, hope that's tethered to the person of hope named Jesus Christ, who through his life, death, and resurrection has defeated sin, hell, death, and the grave. And your confidence and your courage all flow from the one who suffered on your behalf, who walks with you through through your suffering and has made a way out on the other side. And so that's really the first three and a half chapters. I'm, I have to stop right there. That's, that's where we're at. So he's, he's unpacking the various dynamics for how to respond to their cultural moment, increased hostility, come on somebody, increased ostracization so that they feel, like believers to, in Peter's day and in our day, I would say, are feeling the press. Can you just raise your hand? Do you feel the press, the pressure um, to budge of, of, of sort of the historic orthodox claims of our faith, the centrality of the cross, the reality that, that we are sinners in need of a savior, that in our quest to erase God and to live without reverence for and reference to, we're not progressing into some utopian future that sin just keeps popping up with different manifestations. Amen. And so we're filling the press and what we're sensing as a nation and in, in many nations that have adopted a naturalistic worldview, we're feeling the pressure of the imminent frame that all that there is is what we can see, taste, touch, quantify, and measure. But the reality is when these problems rise up from the ground because we occupy spaces and places, we, we find ourselves in this collision of well, you're erasing God in the imminent frame, but we know that the problems, one day it's, it looks like racism, the next day it looks like climate change, the next day it looks like to mask or not to mask, and the next, you guys get what I'm saying, it's social inequity, in, in and next day, and it's these ailments and injustices and sins and manifestations, but you're, if you're in an imminent frame, all you're left with is the resources that flow from people, and if if it's all dependent on us, we're the ones who soil the soil and the ground. So the, the solution can't come from within. It's not going to come horizontally. But all of us feel the press. Am I talking to anyone this morning? The pressure. We talk about issues and ailments and, and injustices. But if we, don't, if we don't come out of that 
that press of the imminent frame and that all that there is is what we see with the natural eye and why the Bible is so relevant for today, its authors were writing to a people who did not live in an imminent frame, but they saw God everywhere. And they realized that unlike our culture and our generation, there are principalities and powers at work behind systems and structures that oppress people. But listen, if you take all of that reference, I love that language I've been saying for months now. If you take reverence for and reference to God out of the equation, what are you left with? You're the enemy. So you get your act together. No, you get your act together. So we're left with this splintering tribalism that will kill us if we don't call on the one who alone can reconcile enemies, heal wounds, forgive sins, raise up those who are downtrodden through the power of the gospel of Jesus. Are you tracking with me? Are you tracking with me? And so we feel this pressure. And then if you want to bring God into the equation, well, which God? The one who always agrees with me and likes all of my choices and is like my genie in a bottle. Whenever I get hit hot water, I just rub the, you know. The God of enlightenment. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us so much. Verse 18 of the same chapter, for Christ died for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, once and for all, to bring you to God. God loves us so much in our mess, and he loves us in our trapped, tribal, imminent frame where we're all, with, not believers, but our culture, we're suffocating under it. And the church uniquely has this invitation not to run and hide, but to step into the spaces and places that God has given you anointing and authority to occupy with gentleness and respect and to proclaim there is a living hope no matter what we face. His name is Jesus Christ. And so this is our hour. Come on, say that. This is our hour. Not to reach and to power play and to power grab. We've tried all of those games. It's for believers to be ready as I love these three S's I've been riffing off of again for weeks. The, the shaking and the sifting. How many know we're in like the address we live in is Deconstruction 101. People are leaving the faith. They're saying, I like this part of Jesus, but I like that part of Buddhism. I like that part of, come on, somebody. I like this part and that, and we have this conglomeration of religions and syncretism, but how many know if you add anything to the central claims of the gospel, you're not adding to, you're subtracting and draining it of its power. And so we find ourselves in this moment, and believers, the call is, as there's increased shaking in your workplace, there's people in our church, this is why we call the prayer meeting a few week, weeks ago. There's people who are feeling the shaking, the press in our own church. There's shaking and then there's sifting. Some are being sifted. Some are walking away. But here's what I like. There's a third S. There's a stirring. Come on. And maybe, maybe we experience all three. The shaking, what am I hoping in? Say that with me, what am I hoping in? The sifting, what is the garbage I'm propping my life up on that it wasn't supposed to be foundational reality? 
And then the stirring. What is the pure faith that has been once and for all trusted to the saints throughout the ages? And the message and the mantle to stand in the ongoing ministry of Jesus and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This is our hour. Say it with me again. This is our hour. And what I love particularly about this passage, we have to know this, friends. We, how do I say it? And be tender. Just because you give your life to Jesus does not mean it's all candy canes and cotton candy and cherries. Can I say it? Our global brothers and sisters know this very well. I love being born in this country. I love this country. I love, I love living in California. But I admit that when I read passages like what I just read, I don't really have a category for them. Can we talk? Amen. And many of us, we bought the lie that when I give my life to Jesus... That somehow I just got a fast track pass from all adversity, suffering, setbacks, difficulties. Has anyone ever struggled with that lie? And then when something hard happens, your first question is not, God, what are you teaching and training me in? Our first question is, God, where'd you go? I thought I trusted you. Come on, everybody, say amen to that. It's not, oh, this is a part of the journey. We're sojourners. We're in a fight. There's the sin. There's, there's the flesh, the world, and the devil. I'm being transformed by the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes I agree with the opposition. Then there's just the fallout and reality of sin in hostile territory. But many of us, I believe the Lord, why I love the three S's, we're being shaken from the reality that just because we prayed a prayer or put some money in the offering that all would go well. No, we are in for a battle. And I love that the Bible tells us that. Aren't you glad? We're in for a fight. There's victory in it. This is why the New Testament is replete with when you suffer, count it all joy because suffering's never the end. We serve the God who raises the dead. And so I love Peter. He's like, to the church, he's like, who's going to harm me if you're just devoted to good? And what Peter does over and over and over, and what we really need to hear today, some things, we, you know, we're like, God, how many love the deep truths of the gospel? How many just love the deep revelation of the Spirit? We love the deep, deep, deep. And I love the deep too. Come on, somebody. Amen. But I love that Peter, as a pastor who's trying to help real people, he gives them the deep stuff, the glory of the gospel. Then he's like, you know what? The reason you submit to authorities and wives submit to husbands and slaves submit to masters or employees and employees because this is just good wisdom so that things have a better chance of going well for you. This is in the Bible. He's like, if you just committed to these things, you don't have to sit and like, pray for 20 hours. Like, Be committed to these few things. Show up on time. Do excellent work. Be respectful. Don't be a jerk. Be kind. Be hospitable. Be generous. Because all of those things flow from the person of God. And if you do that, you're going to have a better chance of not getting the fallout of being in a battle in the culture that you live in. I got two amens. I hope that was pastorally helpful. Like many of us, because we're just, we're like, listen, we live in the echo chamber of our social media feeds and the endless, you know, reel of news. So all of us sort of live on edge. Can we just be honest? Like, it's not like I just am like hanging out in neutral territory, always having a good day, unless I'm Robert Stranod, who's just always happy and always chipper, bugs me. It's one of the things I'm jealous about. But what I love about 
Pastor Peter, he's like, guys, you don't have all these things that culture, luxury of having safety net. He's like, so just really be committed to living out the confession of your faith. And that's why I love the first two S's of the three S's, the shaking and the sifting. That's God's goodness released over the church. We're going to get there in the next chapter, why judgment comes to the house of the Lord first. It's because he wants all of the dross to be burned up in his holy fire so that when the real shaking and the real fire begins to burn, there's this people that look like a priestly people, like a temple people who are shining with the radiant light of Jesus Christ. I love this. I don't love it, but I do because it's his mercy. The shaking and the sifting. What am I hoping in and what am I hoping for so that he can get to the third S, the stirring of true faith and commitment. How many have sensed this, that working on the inside of you in these last months and weeks, just the shaking and what what is this thing? And what I've, the more I talk to, you know, I got three kids in soccer, so pray for me. That's what I do on Saturday now. But, you know, when you talk to people, one of the things I always walk away talking about is there's no escape. And so many of us, if we're honest, we just want to escape. And there is something about the rhythms of grace where you Sabbath weekly, you turn off devices, be smart with your intake of news, hello, and social media screens. And like there's these wise things that are super good for the inner health of your soul. But there's no escaping the cultural moment. There's just, come on, there's just no escaping it. It's that imminent frame. And so we have to find a way to be strong, 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 3, in the grace of God so that we don't escape and then reach for idols or lesser loves, you know, to help pacify our pain and just the reality of the hour. But we lean further into the one who alone can satisfy Jesus Christ. This is our call for the hour, folks. And he's saying, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? And I love this. But even if if you should suffer for what is right, say the last part with me, you are blessed. See, how many know our concept of even blessing is, oh, I'm blessed, never stressed. No, the biblical definition of blessing is even when you suffer and you're getting your Whatever handed to you, if you do it with the, with the joy of the Lord in your heart and with, out of reverence for and reference to God and his supremacy and sufficiency, you're among the blessed. And then he says, do not fear what they fear. How many know fear is like the, the, ch- shot, the choker over, a gener- over the hour that we're in? And Peter's like, don't fear what they fear. Folks, this is why we pray together. This is why we, this is why I'm, listen, it feels good when attendance is up. I'm just going to be honest. I'm a pastor and every pastor would say that. But you know why it's good to say I'm not going to miss a Sunday is we need to be in an environment that's not ignorant of what's happening out there, but that purposely for an hour, hour and a half, look at the one who is the solution and look at the one to whom every knee will bow and tongue confess that he alone is Lord. He alone is the sovereign over creation, the savior of the world. And every week we gather whatever we're fearing or the frenzy, and I love this, and do not fear their threats. We 
feel the threat at work or at home or in our, in our relationships or in our workplace. But in that culture of fear and threat and animosity, we gather every single week and we look up and look out and we connect with the source of life himself, Jesus Christ. So it's not just, oh, I want to show up because I'm religious. No, 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 no. Yes, 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 yes. Be consistent. Come on, say that. I can be consistent. I need to gather with believers at church. Yeah. Obviously, and online too. Thank you, online people. We love you. Duh. And then he says this. I, I, I love this passage. I'm, I'm, how many would say you're a little bit of a chicken by nature? I'm raising my hand. I'm nervous. You know, I, have all, I know all the. I've memorized this passage. But when it gets into the real life, I'm a chicken. Can we be honest with each other? What do you do? Oh, uh, I'm a, I work for a nonprofit. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> the cares for the poor on Fridays. We pray and, uh, I'm kidding. I'm not that much of a chick, that much. Sometimes I am. But I'm telling you, the Lord wants to, I've been praying a lot about this. The Lord wants to release a roar of courage in the hearts of his people. And I love this language. Listen, even if you suffer for what is right, you're blessed. Don't fear what they fear. Don't give in to the cultural frenzy. Look up and hook up with the reality of heaven, the person of Jesus through the Spirit, by the word, together as a community. And as you do that, you're going to be asked questions. This is what the infamous next passage Many of us have skipped living the questionable life that's rooted in Christ, and we've just gone for all the answers, and no one's asking us questions. Shots fired at myself as well. Many of us are probably expert at apologists where we know all the claims of the historicity of the resurrection and the 500 witnesses, and I know all the ins and outs of theology, but my life doesn't look like Jesus, so I actually can't ever live out of verse 15 where someone asks me to give the answer for the reason for the hope that I have. This is why the whole first three and a half chapters are about if you live in a peculiar way, you build your life as the royal, priestly, chosen, holy people of God who are a temple in whatever city you're in that, that emanates with the presence of God, the beauty of Jesus, the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. The fact that you were not his people, but through the Messiah you are adopted in as his people. And as you live out of these unbelievable gospel realities, and then you suffer with joy, even when you do everything right and by the book and you still do not have it go what you view as your way, he's saying if you live through the fire of that, then you'll be ready. Someone will ask a question and in that moment speak the hope of the gospel. We've all, all of us, we like skip to the, I'm ready to defend, but it's built out of the, the revelation of being asked a question of Why? Why do you have hope in an hour like this? Come on, somebody, sit with that question. Why would you have hope in an hour like ours? Oh, I don't know. Because my hope is in a person who reigns at the right hand of the Father 
and he was coming again quickly to bring justice and judgment, but who's just issuing out an overflow of abundance of grace, of faith, hope, and love to respond to his mercy. This is our living hope. He will come again and make all things new that eventually, after the knees bow and the tongues confess, he's going to wipe away every single tear. He's going to throw Babylon. He's going to throw the dark one and all of his demons into the abyss of fire. And the righteous will reign and rule with King Jesus for all eternity. Why can I have hope in an hour like this? Because that message and the anchor of our soul, Hebrews 6, has not shifted one inch. Come on. Not even an inch has the believer's hope diminished. And I love it. After you get asked the question, when you answer, I can just hear Pastor Peter, do it with gentleness and respect. I just want him to give me permission to be a jerk. Like, you need to repent and turn. He's like, because here, look at this. We have hurt our witness by thinking we can separate the message from the messenger. But the beauty of the gospel is it makes us an integrated person where what we say is what we live by the grace of God. This is the glory of the gospel. We don't just are those, yes, we can proclaim the ideal, but we can humbly say, and I'm aiming at that ideal by the grace of God. And when I don't do it right, I'm the first to repent and say, you know what? I was a crummy messenger there. I'm going to get at it again today. If you'll forgive me. Come on, man. This is, the, this is Pastor Peter helping real people who are getting it, struggling. He's saying, when you do give an answer, do it with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience. Can I just talk about how important having a clear conscience is? How many have known what it is to have a guilty conscience? Where you just live out of a reel of shame. If, you really, if they really knew who you were, if they really knew what you watched, if they really knew what you partook of, if they really knew your past, if they really knew what your, your struggle against that kind of person or that kind of... And, and I want you to know that the power of the gospel goes all the way down to the place of conscience. I love Hebrews chapter 10, that the blood of Jesus doesn't just make my heart clean. It gives me a new script and storyline to live, live out of up here. It says that it cleanses our conscience. How many would say today, that would be good news, Pastor Chatty, if I could get a new upgraded conscience where I didn't live out of my past failures but I lived in light of my future hope and who I'm becoming in Jesus Christ I want you to know that your conscience can be washed and cleansed and then he ends and I'll end here it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. That's verse 17. And so as we go about our week this week, as we experience the press, man, open this thing up. Sign up for a moment of prayer. Come, don't sign up. Just come. Reach out to a friend and say, man, I, 
Pastor Chad preached the Bible, but I just want to grow in it. Reach out. Chad, you don't understand the choices I'm having to make right now in my workplace. or They feel like they're above my pay grade. Am I talking to anybody? Sometimes when you have choices and realities you're faced with, you're like, I don't feel equipped. Just cry out to God. You're talking to the one who has your hairs numbered. He saw your unformed body. He promises to never leave you or forsake you. There's another in the fire. Remember that story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's another in the fire, one like a son of man. There's one who, even though he knows he's going to raise his best friend, he still weeps with those who weep. If you're in a valley right now, he's with you. He's not indifferent. It's better it's, if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. In our effort to right wrongs, do not participate in the same venomous spirit in your zeal to right a wrong. Don't lose sight that you never have permission to come out of the yoke of Jesus. He's the only one that when the number one trained soldier in the Roman centurion, when he sees the suffering love of Jesus, he's the first to confess that guy was the son of God. There's something that melts our heart when we endure hardship without bitterness that makes enemies bow their knee and their tongue confess what is up with you people. And this is our call for the hour. It's not to be fishes with no backbones and not know the truth. It's to be people who are transformed from the inside out by the grace of God. So that when we speak, we're not just adding to the chaos and the noise, but our words have potency and sharpness and power because they're gospel words. Yes, it may be foolish to some. It may seem weak to the strong of our hour, but to some, it's the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so we can live out of that confidence. We can trust those things that are above our pay grade. We can lean into our sure hope and confidence in the gospel. And even if we should suffer this week for doing right, we are of the blessed company of saints. Would you stand on your feet with me? I just want to give you a chance to respond. And here's what I want to do. I just feel like there really are some people who this word was maybe for them today. Can we just take a minute? If, that was, if this word, if the Lord is speaking to you in this word, can you just lift your hand in some way, shape, or form? He sees your hands, man. Can you just, just, we'll just take a minute here and just say, Lord, I want to respond to your invitation today to receive grace for the journey, a new kingdom perspective. Maybe you say, Chatty, I, if I was even asked, I wouldn't know how to answer well then say, Holy Spirit, I want to sign up to become a disciple who's a student of the answer, Jesus Christ. I want to know the hope that we serve the God who raises the dead. So Father, I just pray that you would touch our church today. 
that radiant would become more radiant this week because of the transforming love of Jesus Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. God, every hand that's raised right now, can we just all say, Holy Spirit, minister your heart to them. Bring healing where there needs healing. Bring clarity where there's need for clarity. Bring conviction where there's need for conviction. Bring courage where there's need for courage. And right now, God, we ask that you would rescue us from that environment of fear and threat and put us on the rock of living hope named Jesus. Let us live out of a non-anxious, prophetic, peaceable spirit because this is the atmosphere of our king and his kingdom. So Lord, we pray for our homes. We pray for our marriages, our friendships, our relational networks, our relationships at work. We ask that we would be agents of the gospel this week. Those who'd be ready, winsome, and prepared to be your ambassador of peace in every place you would call us to go. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hallelujah.